Good morning, Tucson. It's a beautiful day in the old Pueblo. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. This week, we discuss zombie apocalypse, paranoia, and how a downtown shop has been keeping Tucson and the nation safe since 1951. Today is January 5th of the year 2020. My name is Tom Heath. And you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core. And we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to the U of A and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org. Also available anywhere you go with your fancy phone if you head over to your app store and download the downtown radio tucson app you'll have us whenever you need us for us on the show you can get a hold of us by email contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org we are on facebook we are on twitter and um if you're just joining us recently you don't know about our fantastic web page lifealongthestreetcar.org which we have all of our past episodes and feature interviews available for playback. Well, most of them anyway. And today we're going to start with news from the 1920s. It was built in 1929. It's the Spanish colonial revival style courthouse. It's downtown and it has that beloved landmarkish dome. It's a mosaic Rooftop there is one of uh, Old Pueblo's most photographed and recognizable structures. It's easily identifiable in a picture. And uh, portions of that courthouse uh, to the east uh, were part of the original Presidio that uh, runs through Tucson in that area. You can actually see there's a little granite uh, striping on the on the outside of it marking where those walls are. Until 2015, that courthouse was actually used by the county for courts and other county offices. In 2015, they built that modern facility. They moved folks out of there, and it's been under a renovation since. Well, Visit Tucson, our convention and visitors bureau, moved in there for um, their office space not too long ago. And as of this uh, January 18th, they're actually moving their visitor center to the historic Pima County Courthouse. It's going to be part of the Southern Arizona Heritage and Visitor Center. So the um, Visit Tucson is going to operate the space in conjunction uh, with Pima County. And uh, they will have not just visitors information, but they're going to have maps, uh, information about the Sonoran Desert. I believe there's going to be a gift shop and uh, eventually there'll be exhibits that feature our region's nature our culture, food, history, you name it, you'll be able to find it in this uh, visitor center. The courthouse will go through expansion again, well, not expansion, but the renovation will continue throughout the year. Uh, we expect the U of A's Alfie Norvell uh, Gem and Mineral Museum to open up by uh, the end of 2020, sometime in the falls when it's slated. So it's going to be an upgrade from where they currently are now. 
They've got 3,500 square feet at the bottom of the Flandreau Space Center, and they're going to move over to 11,000 square feet in um, this new space. Plus, there's going to be about 8,000 more square feet for library research and a lab that's in there. Uh, Gem and Mineral Show every year in Tucson draws people from around the world. We know how well-respected the University of Arizona's program is, so combining it in this new space is going to be very exciting. And the year will culminate at the courthouse in uh, January of 2021, a year from now when we expect the official opening of the January 8th Memorial. And you uh, probably are aware of this, but Gabrielle Giffords, our um, congresswoman, was the victim of a shooting. Many members of the public and her staff passed during that event, and the January 8th Memorial is providing recognition of of those individuals and a celebration of civil discourse in our community. So it's going to be a busy year for our courthouse, and it starts in a couple of weeks with the January 18th moving in of Visit Tucson. It's a new decade, or is it? There's a little controversy brewing. Some say 2020 is the beginning of a decade. Others say that 2021 is what actually starts us into a new decade. Well, if there's anything I have learned from watching way too many movies, it's that this type of confusion and argument can lead us into a zombie attack or some other type of Armageddon scenario. It seems inevitable at this point. We're continuing into this uncharted territory of the future with each passing day, and perhaps one of those doomsdays very well may be upon us. Luckily for us here in Tucson, we have a source of supplies to ward off any such disastrous destiny. Since 1951, Miller's Surplus has been serving our community from a downtown location, and over those last 70 years, their business model, their merchandise options, and their customer demographics have changed. But in their current location since 1967, Miller's Surplus has remained a constant in a changing urban environment and provided Tucson with a place to go for that specific item they may need for work, play, or apocalyptic fighting. George Landa walked into the store as a customer in 1999 and hasn't left since. He now manages this retailer on 6th Avenue, and he sat down with us recently for a look at this iconic downtown store. Miller's Surplus started in 1951. And I can show you a picture. Um, that hotel, the Arizona Hotel, I, I believe they call it down here, used to be a Marriott down on Congress and right in front of the Pancho Villa statue where the gazebo's mm -hmm. at, mm -hmm. where they do weddings, stuff like that. Um, that and the TCC were all built under what was called urban renewal. And that's where the original Miller Surplus used to be in the Hotel Tucson. Okay. So um, the owner of our store, Mr. Sloan, came to, um, came to Tucson and he married Mr. Miller's daughter. And then um, he, he was fresh out of the army, World War II, and he came to Tucson. He just worked it down to Tucson. When he got out of the army, his, his destiny was come, to come west. And he met Mrs. Miller and he, and he moved into with the Miller surplus people, and um, he bought out the Mr. Miller. And um, in 1967, as he took over this building here. Okay. And this used to be um, Apache Motors. 
There's a car right. lot because the strip here on Sixth Avenue was all the car dealerships at that time. And my first exposure to Miller's Surplus in the 70s was uh, this was the best place on the planet to go be bell bottoms, hip huggers, those navy bells. And you get Levi's for like $250, $3. And you, and you were saying earlier that the, the, you know, the, the surplus world has changed, but at, at that point it was still really um, Army-Navy surplus. Yeah, Army-Navy stores are all over. They started actually in the, on the East Coast and migrated west. But those Army-Navy stores, you could come in, there were stacks of stuff, you know, fatigues, um, Vietnam jungle boots. And the prices were always cheap. Right, that's why you'd go there. It's, it's surplus. It's a surplus store, you know. Miller surplus. It's kind of like if you're zombie apocalypse. Is that what you're preparing um, for? Parano paranoia sells. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget um, when I got here in 1999. It was the Y2K. Boy, people mm. were freaking out buying buying water purifiers, gas yep. masks because they thought the grid was going down that night. Mm -hmm. So you've been here 20 years though. You just walked in one day and never left. You said. Yeah, I just walked in. I needed a pair of socks, and then I ran into the owner, who I used to buy my bell bottoms and hip huggers from in the 70s. And I go, hey, what's all this money doing on the floor? And he says, what money? What money? I told him, all this great product. Dude, nobody's selling nothing around here. And um, we just started talking, and, and he offered me a job. I spoke with his manager the next day, and on October 28, 1999, I've been here ever since. Who's your, uh, who's your client? Who comes in? We have phases, okay? Because, um, like, with the Y2K and after 9-11, I mean, you could, this place was, it was a madhouse. I'll never forget 9-11 i mean what i was listening i used to wake up to sports radio and um and i heard him talking about a, a plane crashing into the building into the empire state i'm sorry um the world trade center and then i hear this the newscast and um it, it told me i need to get to the store i just it's just one of those gut feelings i came here there were prepper survivalists outside ready to come here desperate mm -hmm. to get ammo cans um water purifiers, gas masks especially. And um, so we've got a group at that time. Plus we also had December 21st, 2012, the end of the world with the Mayan calendar. People were tripping on that. Um, the end of the world crowd was, in some of the cults, I mean, were I, this was serious mm -hmm. stuff to them. We had one customer, his name was Rusty, who moved to Benson. He told me he had found a tunnel and he had put up gates at the tunnel and it was his tunnel, and for years he was stockpiling MREs and, and water, and um, he was dead serious about it. He was dead serious. To him, it was the end of the world, and he came by and told me goodbye, and I've never seen him again. I don't know if he's still underground. I have no idea. <laughs> I've never seen him again. <laughs> it, it, uh, it, it, people, do they buy into things like zombie apocalypse, or is that just oh. a, a... When those kids were getting eaten in Florida... That's when, um, the, and those zombie shows were on TV, The Walking Dead, I mm -hmm. believe it's called. Um, the zombie apocalypse was coming. We even had the, we sponsored the zombie walk downtown. They had a zombie walk. So we, we, <laughs> we were the official sponsors of the zombie walk. <laughs> That's cool. And it was great because we had zombies running all over the place. And one of our company's major surplus made the three-day zombie survival kit. It had a knife in it, water purifier, some MREs, a flashlight, fire starters. And if we sold out of the kit, sold about 300 of those kits. So whenever there's something going down, it's, it's great for sales. But we have a great working class because they buy the quality of lines of our work boots, our mm -hmm. Keen, Georgia boot, um, American-made boots by Thorogood and so, Danner. So it's not just uh, paranoia and... Uh... No, because you um, you've got real military people that come into shop. They buy their uniforms here.
But um, no, you got your regular, and then you got your security firms. Mm. Hey, so we're talking with George Landa. He manages the Miller Surplus over on 6th Avenue, uh, right there south of 6th Street. Uh, he's telling us a little bit about how it got started, and we're going to learn more here in a few minutes about some of the um, uh, the trends that they're seeing in clients and conspiracy theories as well. But I want to remind you, first of all, that you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and we're always available for streaming on downtownradio.org. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, we've got uh, our interview today with George Landa. He is the manager of Miller Surplus on 6th uh, Avenue there, just uh, south of 6th Street. And we're talking about the how he got started in this business, what Miller's has uh, meant to the community over the years, and uh, started talking a little bit about their demographics and their, their kind of changing business model. And now we get into uh, the second part of our interview here. We discuss a little bit more about the types of uh, clientele and some of their concerns that they may have that they're seeking out some of the survivalist gear. Well, this is a huge footprint. You were telling me it's kind of grown over the years. The, the footprint stayed the same, but the, you've expanded out into what used to be warehouses. On the, yeah, on the we had we had to because um, the surplus industry just changed after um, 2000. I mean, you couldn't get military surplus hardly anymore because the military branched it out. The times, um, some of the manufacturers like Condor, Major Surplus, make replicas of some of the items in there. But the specialty companies like um, Camelback and and Jansport, they made duffel bags and backpacks that kind of cater to that era. Mm -hmm. But they're modern; they've been modernized. So we had to change our our demographics. We catered more to the working class. Mm -hmm. But I, I noticed uh, the, the camping, obviously, tons of camping gear and, and all kinds of stuff. Oh, the, yeah, for, for the outdoor lifestyle, there's yeah. tents, sleeping bags. <laughs> there's specialty items. Knives are specialty items. Knives, knives are so intense now. So you're kind of like on the on the front lines. If you see a run on something, you got to start thinking, hey, what's coming? What, what does someone know? Um, some of our manufacturers of our boot companies are military suppliers. So when we can't get boots, when we can't get MREs, for example, there's something going down mm. out there. Yeah, so you might not know exactly what it is, but you know that there's something about to happen. Yeah, you know, yeah, and we know it's in the Middle they're, East. They're stocking up for that. and Yeah, the government gets first dibs. That uh, kind of makes sense. I, and, should, I should hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I will take the government supplying the military over zombies as a priority most days. <laughs> Until the zombies come, and then it might change. Well, my, yeah, it'll change. Of the things that you've, is there anything that just sort of stands out outside of what we've already talked about? It's just a crazy experience. Well, these are perilous times. Um, the, these random shootings are, are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's a few weeks ago there was a shooting, and I just remember um, this lady was all scared and she came in to buy mace because she was just terrified to go down the street. She mm -hmm. just needed it because some shooting that happened somewhere just affected, traumatized yeah. down here. And um, these people take the protection of themselves and their family and the Second Amendment, they take it very serious. I mean, when New York City got flooded, um, I think it was called Hurricane Sandy. Mm -hmm. um, there's this Army-Navy store in New York City down by Ground Zero. And that man lives in New Jersey. And he told me when that flood hit, I mean, he was okay. And his neighbors, because he had the survival gear, he had 
um, solar lights. Um, in his house, he had tons of water and he had food. But the people from the streets didn't, and they were trying to break into the houses. These people do anything to protect their house. Yeah. And um, a few years ago, we had Lisa Ling down here from um, CNN. And she was doing a show because in Philadelphia, there was a, uh, one of the biggest preppers, survivalists, is out of Philadelphia. But we didn't know he shops here because mm -hmm. his bunker is here. And so ABC came down here and hung out here for about a week doing a story with people. Wow, you get uh, all kinds through here then. It's... Oh, we do. We get the guys from the the biggest catch, that fish show, come in here. And sometimes um, Diane Keaton comes waltzing in. <laughs> we got somebody in a bunker in Philadelphia and uh, Diane Keaton just strolling, yeah. through, <laughs> yeah. strolling through another surplus. That's mm -hmm. your uh, that's your variety there. The uh, do, you, do you offer, so no firearms? No, no, we're not in that department. And then do you do uh, classes? Do you do self-defense classes or training or anything like that? No, okay. nothing like that. So, but a lot of our customers do. They've, they've got defense courses. They're advertising stuff there okay. in the front. Okay, so someone with, with, comes in with mace, you, you might be able to help them. Oh, find. yeah, with mace and the right um, clothes to wear, the belts to wear, mm -hmm. the gear to add to their duty belts. Okay, so giving, giving them some sort of guidance on, on the equipment, but they could use one of maybe one of your other clients for... Uh, for getting for, for the self-defense yeah. course and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, we've got guys that here that were, um, we have one of our employees was a retired Army, 25 years, Guard in Leavenworth. They know a little bit about the industry, and they can guide people on what to wear, how how the tactical gear wears, works. Is, your, is, is that a lot of your staff? Have they been around for a while here? or, or um, it... We do. Um, we've had a few retired that were from the Vietnam era that worked in our surplus area. Okay. And those, those old timers were great because they had great stories. Well, speaking of great stories, George Landa has great stories. We've been speaking with him as the manager of Miller Surplus, giving us a little bit of their their seventy some years history here in Tucson, uh, and what they've I think what they've meant as far as stability for many reasons within our our community. We um, when we sat down with George, we actually ran into him because he's a a musician here in town, and the um, the story about Miller Surplus sort of came up organically. But what we're going to do on a future show here is talk more about George, his his growing up and uh, sort of his move into the music world. Um, a lot of interesting pieces of uh, Tucson history involved with that story. Well, my name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and uh, available for streaming on downtownradio.org.